That's a growler. Welcome to Beauty and the Beastly Minute, the podcast where we break down and analyze Beauty and the Beast, one candle shushing minute at a time. I'm Bobby. (laughs) And I'm Janae. We are your hosts, and today we will be talking about Minute 14 of Beauty and the Beast. It starts out with Cogsworth saying not one word, and ends with Lumiere saying that Maurice is chilled to the bone. (laughs) Okay, so one of the first things that I noticed about this minute is the difference between, because you get to see Cogsworth and Lumiere sitting on this side table before they're fully animated and moving around and stuff and showing their true character. And you just kind of, you mostly see just the object and you just get this tiny, like these small eyes, like a teeny tiny mouth. And you don't really see the human side of them yet. And then that transition, once they finally, like, start being themselves, you get the full facial features, which I thought was super fun and super cool and kind of trying to set the scene for these people being objects and they're pretending to be inanimate because this person they don't know came into their castle. I really like that as well. They're just, you can, well, I mean, they start talking pretty much immediately and you get to see that they have eyes and they have faces. But, you know, I like when you just very first see them and they're kind of like hidden in their incognito mode and then they come to life and they are Mm -hmm. very much alive for the rest of the movie. I agree. And I just want to talk for a second also about how they create, I love how they created these inanimate objects into people. They peopleified them. Disneyified? I don't know. But like Lumiere has this drip up at the top of his candle, kind of like a little curl coming down on his forehead. And then like his nose kind of has the same effect mm. of looking like dripped wax. And then Cogsworth has this like ornate detail on the top of his head with like the little scrolly stuff which you do see on clocks but it looks like maybe a wig that a person would have worn during that time period the powdered wigs that men would wear all the time and things like that so I thought that was just I love how they did that it's brilliant yeah, so. they, they definitely put a lot of thought into the character design on these to make them look like the object, but also have that personal feel of, of being a person. <laughs> right, right. Um, there's this one frame that I, I copied, I clipped because I thought it was so hilarious. So it's the part where Cogsworth has his hand over Lumiere's mouth to keep him from talking. <laughs> keep him from talking and he has this face as he watches kind of come into the castle with this eyebrow quirked and his jaw kind of slack and his mouth gaping open like a codfish and he's just like looks so funny and then Lumiere's Eyebrow is raised too, but he has his eyes squinting and he kind of looks like he's just got, he knows exactly what he's going to do to get his way. And he knows exactly what to do to manipulate Cogsworth to get what he wants. So, yeah, they're so funny. I had a kind of similar note that there's when 
they are first trying to figure out what to do with uh, with Maurice being there in the castle. There's this few seconds, and I want to make I want to make a gif out of it. But you can see where uh, Cogsworth his face starts out as shock and concern for for Maurice as he realizes, hey, this guy is lost. He lost his horse, and he's out here in the cold and the rain. He needs somewhere to stay. So he has shock and concern on his face, and then it just like slowly changes into this super angry face, realizing that Lumiere is going to blow their cover, and there's not a lot he can do about it. <laughs> I love it. I feel like. It's so funny because when I was a kid, I would watch this and I never really liked Cogsworth that much. I mean, I thought he was funny, but, you know, you always, I, I don't know about you, I always loved Lumiere. I was like, oh, he's so fun and he's awesome and he's nice and he's got this cool accent. But now that I'm grown up, Cogsworth is just hilarious. He's so funny to me. I love him so much. So he hops down. Is it after? He hops down. Cogsworth hops down off the table after um, Lumiere has given them away, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Cogsworth, like you said, he he covers Lumiere's mouth to, to try to silence him. And I love the look that Lumiere has on his face as he like brings his hand around to torch Cogsworth's <laughs> hand to get it off of his face. He just like... He has such a bored look like, okay, you asked for it. Um, but yeah, then <laughs> then Lumiere gets picked up by, what's his bucket? Maurice. <laughs> he gets picked up by Maurice. Um, and Cogsworth jumps, jumps to the ground. Right. So I one of the things that I thought was hilarious was when Cogsworth jumps to the ground, that little top part on his head that looks like it could be a wig if he were a person flies right off his head and comes right back down. Uh, I did not notice that. I never had before either, but it's so funny. I was like, wait, that's not completely attached. It can come right off. Like in what circumstances can that just come right off? Because obviously it doesn't happen all the time. I think, well, so far only having met him for a minute, that's the only time I've seen it come off. I wonder, I don't know. I just think I thought it was hilarious that it came off just as if he was jumping down and it was some cartoon and the wig flew off and then it flops right back down on his head. It was so funny. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of physical comedy in these minutes coming off of Lumiere and Cogsworth as we're seeing how they are people and, you know, how they move and how they talk and express themselves. So they're still kind of constrained to being an object, but they are very much a person. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's funny uh, and I think they tried to make it funny how they how they express themselves. But they don't overdo it. That's one thing that you got to be careful about with comedy is that if you overdo it, it's not funny anymore. It has to be centered in reality for it to be funny because that's why it's funny is because you've seen those things happen in real life. You've experienced those things happen in real life. And so, yeah, they do a great job of getting some slapstick in there while not sacrificing the center of truth for this comedy. So I do love that. Yeah. Um, My next note that I have is just whenever Maurice starts to realize that these objects are people, he's holding Lumiere right up to his face and you get this awesome shot that's just them face to face um, almost eye to eye and you got Lumiere's little bitty face and Maurice's big head there and I think Disney plays around a lot in this movie 
with their perspectives that the camera's at. So this is bringing the the two characters eye to eye. But in a lot of the shots, when it's just the the object characters, um, the castle servants, the camera is down on their level. So you're seeing things as they would see things. And then you have another set of shots that's just like seeing how big the castle is. And you get to see amazing detail that they put into what the inside of this castle looks like. All the ornate stuff that's all over the place, the little details that they put in. You get great views of those. And then you get the views from the human side of things where you're looking down on the objects or you're seeing the castle from the the human perspective. So I really like how they show things from different perspectives all throughout this movie. I agree. I completely agree. So, so talking about animation, Will Finn was the head animator for Cogsworth, I believe. And he went and watched a bunch of, I mean, he knew what the storyboards were and he thought, okay, what can I do with this little talking clock? And then he got really excited when he heard David Ogden Steers, who is the voice for Cogsworth. When he heard his audition, he was like, oh my gosh, he's funny. He's inventive. And he went back, apparently, and watched like shows of MASH, which I didn't realize David Ogden Steers was on. I guess I've never really watched MASH. Yeah. But did, do you watch MASH? No, I remember, like, I think maybe my parents watched MASH when I was really young. Oh, okay. I just remember seeing it, yeah, like, the, the little opening come on and it said MASH, and I was like, this is so boring. <laughs> Yeah, well, so he went back and watched it, and I think it's just amazing because he went back and used this actor to help him get a feel for who the character of Cogsworth was and used that to create the physicality, in a way, for the clock, for a person who's been turned into a clock. And I really like a quote that that Sally, our researcher, found for us. And he said, quote, he's wooden and made up of flat geometric shapes, but he turned out to be a lot more flexible than I ever imagined. The subtle part is trying to keep him from looking like just a man in a clock costume. I can twist and stretch him like crazy, but I always try to retain the essence of wood, end quote. And I just thought it was cool that they used, they Disneyified him. They gave this inanimate object that's hard and rigid and gave it life. And I love his little feet. They like, it looks like he only has two feet, but the each side is kind of separated. So it's more like he has kind of four feet in a way and they can all move separately if he wants. Did you notice that? I, I always noticed that he had feet um, and that, you know, you can see that there are four of them, but I always kind of figured, okay, well, he has two sides. There's obviously two sides, and then those two sides are broken up into, you know, two parts to make the four. Right, um, right. But from what I've always noticed of the animation, it always looked like, you know, one side was a foot and the other side was another foot, and there just happened to be split into well, yeah. different things to fit the clock. But I never really paid too much attention to them besides that. Right. I just think it's funny that most of the time it's like he just has two feet, but sometimes he'll like wiggle all four in different directions. Like when Maurice picks him up and is like tickling his feet and his feet are moving around crazy. But to get around, he doesn't actually walk on two or even four feet. He does a lot of hopping around. Yeah. Right. Uh, yes, I think so. I, <laughs> we haven't seen too much of him moving around so far, so I cannot verify that. I guess kind of tying back into the to the animation and going back to what we talked about yesterday with 
I think it was yesterday, with the fire animation, part of the scene where Lumiere is being held by by Maurice, and Maurice is like, ah, this guy's alive, this thing is alive, and he drops Lumiere, and like as he's falling through the air, they just did such an awesome job with him falling and like as he approaches the ground his shadow grows as he's coming down to meet the ground and you can see the oh. flames and you know he kind of gets waved around and then thrown down and they did such an awesome job with the fire and how it you know it trails his movements as he gets moved around and then and then goes down and i was just like man they must have put so much work into watching how a flame moves and you know trying to recreate that with animation so it's mm-hmm. awesome yeah i agree and then uh, the the next thing that I that I wanted to talk about was you get to see again how much of a curious uh, person Maurice is because he finds these two like animated objects that are that are people like his first thoughts are you know how how are these guys working like how does this machine function so he hasn't quite I guess right. let it settle in that there's magic happening here right I agree I love just that whole sequence of him inspecting. Cogsworth and he's like holding Cogsworth and he's like twisting the faces on his or the hands on his face and Cogsworth is like ah what are you doing and then he like tickles him on the feet and he's like stop it and he just can't control what is being done to him I feel bad for him and then he like opens his his little door thing to touch and check out his pendulum and uh, I just love Cogsworth's response to that I mean not only is like he he's not like just don't touch me he's like sir close that at once do you mind and he's just like so indignant that his privacy has been invaded someone has been looking inside his little door at his pendulum even though I mean it's got glass but yeah I just thought it was so funny. And he's like, he just seems like he's trying to be so, I don't know. (laughs) That part's always been a little weird for me. So it's like, okay, what exactly is his, what is, what does his pendulum like relate to in a human body? Like, is he like getting poked in the stomach or I was, I was thinking (laughs) of, I forget what that thing's called, but like the thing in the back of your throat that hangs there, that's the only like the uvula. Yeah. But that doesn't make sense because it's not in his mouth at all. So it's like, okay, well, he's just no. like touching his guts, I guess. Kind of weird. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's just kind of like the idea of even though he's not wearing clothes, he's being, his privacy is being invaded. Like, who just thinks they can come and say, hmm, I'm going to just lift up your coat and look at your shirt. Like, yeah. who does that? You don't just walk up to somebody and move, remove their clothes so that you can look at, I don't know what. <laughs> but <laughs> that's kind of the impression that I get from what's happening here. He's like, what are you doing? That's completely and wildly inappropriate, is kind of the vibe that I get from Cogsworth about what's happening. And I think it's just so funny. Yeah, he's definitely a very proper person. Yes. And that comes through in this minute. Yeah. He was voiced by David Ogden Steers, who we all know Janae loves, because he also does the narrator for the beginning of the movie during the prologue. And he was on MASH, and I actually don't know a whole lot else about David Ogden Steers, but I believe he's done 
many other voice acting things as well as um, TV. So that's what I know about him. Do you know anything else about him? I do not. Should we talk about Lumiere for a minute? Yeah, let's do it. Mostly, so I, I was very interested to find out who voiced Lumiere because he did a fantastic job. Yes. I mean, I... I personally thought his accent was really good. Did you think it was good? It's kind of hard for me to judge. Do you know a lot of French people? I'm not, I don't know a ton of French people. I don't have like a super, you know, good base of authentic French accents to go off of. But I think because uh, Lumiere is like a French accent that I grew up with, I don't feel like it's super cheap and fake. But I think he also does do a better job than a lot of actors do when they try to make a, when they try to do a French accent. Yes, I, I would agree. And I definitely think, no offense to Ewan McGregor, but his accent to me is a lot better than Ewan McGregor's was in the new one. And so that first off is one thing, but he, so the Lumiere is voiced by Jerry Orbach who is famous for starring in Law and Order, the TV show. Mm-hmm. He's been in lots of other things. He's been in, he was in Dirty Dancing. He was like the dad in that or something. Um, he's been on Broadway in Chicago, 42nd Street, Promises, Promises. And uh, I, I was watching a clip of an interview that he did, and he was talking about a couple things. One thing that he said, first of all, was that with the accent, he took French when he was in school. So he actually kind of had a basis for where he was coming from. Another part of it is you can't have such a thick French accent that people can't understand you. But I don't know. I thought he did a good job with it. And another thing is that he said he in 88, 1988, he his TV show that he was in got canceled and he thought he would never work again. <laughs> he he thought, oh, my acting career is over and I'm never going to do anything again. And then lo and behold, three years later, he voiced Lumiere for Beauty and the Beast and his career has taken off. He's done lots of TV, some movies. He's done voiceover for things. So he's definitely had a very successful career compared to what he thought back in the day. So I thought that was really neat. One question I did have, which maybe you have a theory about this. Why is Lumiere practically the only one with a French accent? That is a good question. And I do not have a theory (laughs) on that one yet. It's kind of weird. Bobby. (laughs) Well, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that they wanted to give it a French feeling. And Lumiere is kind of like the representation of the noble and royal and very French part of this movie. You know, he's, I guess, kind of the the face or the head of the household here, um, of the castle. The beast is wild and beastly. And so we don't expect him to have a strong French accent. But the the kind of, you know, person in charge of the castle, I guess they felt like he needed to really sound a little more French to give the feeling that we are in France and, you know, give that background of background and feeling to the movie. Yeah, because... I mean, I can understand having some characters that have, um, like, a different accent, but I did think it was interesting that the majority of the accents are American English. A couple of the accents are British, like Lumiere and Mrs. Potts, and then Lumiere and Babette, the feather duster, are the only two French. 
I forgot about her for a second, but I just remembered there's Babette as well. So I was wondering if you had any idea why they actually did that or if you had a theory, but maybe in a later podcast, we'll know a little bit more about why they did that or have a theory about it. If you have a theory and you're listening, let us know. Yes. On Twitter or Facebook. Do. I guess that's a great place to to go ahead and wrap up the minute because, yeah, I don't think I have anything else. (laughs) So be sure to get in contact with us and let us know what you think about the accents. If you think they're good, they're bad, why they are different and why the people that have them have them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So until tomorrow. What he said. (laughs) Be sure to check us out on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter. We're Beastly Minute all over the place. Yeah, be sure to check us out. Let us know what you think. And we will see you tomorrow, which is another Friday. So thank you for sticking through with us for another week. And just got a little bit further to go until you get to the weekend. So until tomorrow, close that at once. Do you mind? Our theme music is by Duo Hansen. Something is really different on the growler.